Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, we unpack the Amazon Synod's final document of recommendations for the Pope, including the proposal to ordain married men as priests. We'll also discuss the opportunities and challenges for implementing these suggestions on the ground in the Amazon. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New York, Jerry. Good afternoon from uh, hot and humid Rome, Colleen. Jerry, the Amazon Synod is finally over, but the work of figuring out how to implement it is just getting started. The Synod produced its final document of recommendations for the Pope, and all the paragraphs that were drafted were approved one by one for the final document. So that was presented on Saturday, and the Pope is going to take a look at those and decide what the Church's game plan going forward in the Amazon is going to be. Now, obviously, the big stories out of the Synod are the proposals about women deacons and ordaining married men, but I think it's important that we start from the big picture of the Synod and then look at how the different proposals came out of that. So you recently interviewed Bishop Robert McElroy of San Diego about the Synod, and he gave a really good summary of the big issues that are at stake here. Can you recap what he said? Well, uh, very clearly, he, he said the ecological question, which uh, Pope Francis had highlighted in the 2015 encyclical, uh, Laudato Si, is at the heart of the discussion. As you may remember, I interviewed the Lux, first cardinal from Luxembourg, Hollerich, a Jesuit also, and he said, you know, we can shout as much as we like about uh, married ordaining married men or having ordaining women, he said, but there will be no no reason for priests if we don't address the uh, question of the Amazon forest, the rainforests, what's happening there, because we risk being destroyed as a humanity, as planet, and so all the other issues are secondary. Yeah, I also thought it was interesting how he said that this is a, a martyr's church, right? Yes, Bishop McElroy said uh, one of the things that struck him, he said, we're used to saying that the Catholic Church is built on the martyrs. And we're usually thinking about martyrs of the past. But he said, the church in the Amazon carries in its heart the martyrdom of today, that its people in the last 50 years and in, in the last decades are being killed. He said, priests in their parish, they know that if their parishioners uh, come out to defend their land or speak out in favor of protecting the environment, they risk being killed. And he said, uh, this is the reality. In fact, there are more than a thousand leaders killed in, 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 the, in recent decades. Indigenous people, right? Yes. And in the Synod Hall, well, starting in St. Peter's Basilica, they brought the placards, the posters of these, some of these martyrs, and they placed them in front of the days where the, the presidents of the synod and the pope were sitting. And they had these photos there right throughout the synod. A reminder that these gave their lives for the subject that we're discussing, how to protect the Amazon. Yeah, that's really powerful. Um so in this process, faced with all these challenges, we saw 
throughout the Synod, the Indigenous people asking the church to be an ally in these struggles, right? We saw a lot of recommendations about protecting the rights of people in the Amazon, and that meant not only human rights protections, but also the right of everyone to the Eucharist, to the sacraments, and to have ministers in their communities present. Um, so let's talk about some of the concrete proposals that the Synod approved, starting with ordaining mature married men to the priesthood. The Synod voted in favor of ordaining mature married men as priests in the Amazon region. And I'm wondering, what does this tell us about the Synod's priorities, that they took this step to make a definitive proposal on this, rather than just kind of leaving the door open to the possibility? Well, Bishop McElroy had something very uh, important to say here. He said, the question of ordaining married men, the question of women deacons, so the role of women in the in the church, recognizing new ministries, are subsets of the bigger question. And what's the bigger question? The bigger question is, how do you carry out the evangelization in the nine countries of the Amazonian region? And that's the big question. These were particular responses to aspects of that bigger question. Now, the question of the ordaining of married men, it said married deacons. Right, permanent deacons. Permanent deacons. So it's quite restrictive in, 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 in its conclusion. It's not just anybody. It's not that a bishop can go and find some leader of a community and ordain him. They, they speak about criteria, that the person has to be prepared for it. It's married deacon who's shown that he's effectively doing his ministry as a married deacon well and that he's uh, he's got a stable marriage. And so the, the, the criteria, when when you actually analyze what they have approved, it's, it's quite uh, restrictive. But they also came to that, uh, proving that step, after insisting that, first of all, they saw about 50 people, and Bishop McElroy told me, about 50 speakers out of the 200 raised this question. But all except four or five raised it by starting saying, we believe that the law of celibacy should continue to be the norm, but that in certain situations, in communities which cannot have the Eucharist every month, maybe not every three months, often not every year, that it's important, and all the popes have said it, it's important that the Eucharist is a central aspect of the Christian life. Yeah, a thing that we're seeing throughout this, right, is this priority of the Eucharist, the priority of allowing people access to the sacraments and and the deep need for ministers in isolated communities. Um, so now speaking of ministry, let's talk about the women deacons question. The final synod document doesn't go so far as to recommend ordaining women as deacons. Instead, it notes that the women's diaconate was requested in many of the small groups, but it ultimately recommends that the Pope's study commission on women deacons, which we've talked about before on the show, be reconstituted and that the issue be studied more. So, Jerry, when that study commission wrapped up its work last year, um, the Pope said that women deacons still needed to be studied more, which is also what the Synod is saying. So I'm wondering, you know, what do next steps on this look like? Uh, well, obviously, the, the Pope has made clear that he intends to, uh, first of all, revive the commission. It, it's, he's never squashed it. No, certainly. It is, it's kind of being static in a, in a sense, hasn't been doing much. He's now going to add new new members to it, and he he wants to see if some progress has been made. 
And would those new members be indigenous people or who are we talking about? We don't know. He hasn't said that there's no indication who it will be. Got it. But, but I, I was quite struck in the interview with Bishop McElroy. He said, I think we should be looking at the question from another angle. Up to now, we've been looking at the question of women's deacons. Looking back at the early history of the church, were there women's deacons? What did they do? How were, were they installed? Were they on the same power as men, men's deacons? Bishop McElroy is suggesting that we uh, approach the question differently. He said we should see, is there anything in the tradition of the church that prohibits the church today from actually giving such a ministry to women? Right. So we're seeing this uh, change from an examination of, you know, what the history was and reviving that to, you know, this this real need for ministry that I think wasn't really part of the conversation uh, up to now as far as that study commission went. Um, there was another interesting thing when we we're talking about the role of the lady in this document. Um, you know, we see this call for equitable leadership roles for men and women uh, in that section. And we also see this increased role of the permanent diaconate, which we mentioned before is the pool that married priests would be pulled from. So we're really seeing across the board an increase in the role of lay people being called for in this document. The synod document, I think it shouldn't be underestimated, came up and said that a bishop, a bishop in a diocese, has the authority to recognize a lay person, this can be man or woman, as the leader of the community for a period of time, and that he can install that person with a liturgical right. This is something that uh, has been uh, not so well noticed, I think, in the reporting. Yeah, I actually noticed that and wanted to ask you about it. What is that? Um, it says with an official mandate through a ritual act. What does that refer to if it's not the diaconate? Well, we have other things in, 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 in the church. The title of the synod was to find new ways. So new ways of ministries. Now, the new way could be that, the, the well, can be that the bishop says, you know, this woman is now head of the community and we have an installation service with readings and the bishop gives her the authority to act in the name of the church. That's what many bishops were asking for, that what the the work that women are now doing in the Amazon, women religious especially, but also lay women, this has not had official recognition from the church. Right, even though they're doing so, so much. So there is no service or ceremony to officially recognize this. And this is one way. The the women's diaconate is another way. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how that develops. Um, So let's talk about some of the other proposals that made it into this document of recommendations for the Pope. One was for an Amazon indigenous, right? We talked about this last week a little bit, that would incorporate indigenous practices into the mass. Um, And another suggestion that also pertains to this right of indigenous people to protect their culture um, is this idea to establish a Catholic university in the Amazon And I'm wondering if you can kind of explain how that's related, that right to protection of culture and the establishment of this university. Well, uh, apparently uh, several of the bishops and some of the lay people, uh, the the indigenous people especially, uh, said uh, that when they, those who get the opportunity, and they're small in number, to go to the state universities or other universities, they find themselves uh, treated as second-class citizens. 
there, there is little recognition of their culture, their history, their background, the challenges they face, their languages. There are many different languages. And the proposal for a Catholic university in the Amazon would be so that all these cultural issues, the languages, the history, the different traditions, what gives them an identity as a people, as an indigenous people or an indigenous ethnic group would be addressed. And so they, they would do their studies, but in an atmosphere, inter, interdisciplinary atmosphere, where these questions were being studied, researched, taught. And the the Synod said it hoped that Catholic universities in Latin America, but obviously beyond the shores of Latin America, and so for example, in the United States and Canada. I think this is a really creative thing because it's opening new avenues. And that's what the Synod was about, to open new ways for evangelization, to open new ways to defend the people, to open new ways to defend the rainforest, and to open new ways for the world to gain a consciousness of the grave problem that's going to come to the whole world if they do not pay attention to the ecological problem in the Amazon. Yeah, I think it's also important for us to note that, you know, in the recent history of Latin America, in Latin American nations where the church has decisively taken this side of the poor, um, Catholic universities are often the places where that siding with the poor happens most strongly, right? They're often uh, places of safety for oppressed people, and they're also often at the forefront of, you know, justice movements. Like I'm thinking of the Jesuit universities in Nicaragua and in San Salvador. I think there is a great awareness uh, that uh, the Catholic universities are not just called to be parodies or, or to uh, be mirror images of the state universities. They're called also to do something else. So one of the big themes of this synod was that the bishops have declared really strongly that they want to take the side of the poor in the Amazon region in a really decisive way. Um, there were suggestions for ministries for what they're calling integral ecology, that's the protection of the environment and of marginalized people in every diocese of the region, setting up offices for helping migrants and refugees and young indigenous people and for fighting human trafficking and violence against women, all these things that we see a spike in as the Amazon is being rapidly developed and mined for profit. Um, so, Jerry, the Synod sees these corporations as kind of the new colonizers of the region, and they're making it clear that they're opposed to that. So I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about that. Um, what what stands out to you on this subject of, of fighting the new colonization? I, I think to understand this Synod and to answer your question, people should read Laudato Si. Because what the Pope says there, today we, we've got a process of globalization. We've got this technocratic paradigm uh, in which everything is moving forward. The tendency to kind of uniformalize what we eat, how we dress, uh, what we listen to, what we see, uh, and eliminating the great variety, the differences of culture, the differences of languages, the difference of the way we do things. That is part of the colonization. And the colonization also comes when you know they, they, the people who set up companies in Canada, corporations where you have very big, uh, very strong laws, you can't do this and this and this, but these laws don't operate much outside Canada. Right, and that's why these corporations can come to South America and, and develop so, so quickly with very little oversight. 
Jerry, fighting against um, these colonizing forces, fighting against these big corporations, though, is is a really risky activity, right? You're you're committing to walk in the footsteps of people like Rutilio Grande and Oscar Romero, um, and this this standing with the poor often leads to real conflict. I, do you get a sense from the conversations in the Senate and from the document that that church leaders in South America are ready for that? Just before coming on this program, I had lunch with a Brazilian bishop. And he said to me, I'm going back. I'm energized by this synod. He said, because I saw the bishops and the lay people, the indigenous people and the bishops, we're all working together. We're all, we're all in the same mind. We're all on the same track. He said, I want to take this synodal process back to my diocese. But he said, this document is going to be big problems for us because I have in my area, and I'm not going to name the bishop so not to get him into trouble too soon, mm-hmm. I have in my diocese big ranchers with lots of cattle, etc. And this, they will not like one bit what we're saying because it's challenging them. They're, they're interested in selling more beef, getting more money. So he, he already was going home knowing that to really implement this document is going to be costly, very costly in terms of life. In the document, there are also mentions of like new martyrs of the Amazon. And so I think that they're really seeing themselves as as walking in this tradition. Um, Jerry, in the United States, at least, when we talk about indigenous people in the Catholic Church, it's often framed as, you know, the Catholics coming in, the missionaries coming in and being the colonizers. And so I think some of our listeners might be surprised to hear the church taking this kind of anti-colonial stance. Um, But you said that uh, you did an interview in which someone recently explained a reframing of this. Um, Can you can you kind of explain what he said? He he said uh, that when the first missionaries came to the Americas, to Latin America, to Brazil, to other countries, they they came with the ships, with the colonizers. But some of them got off the ship. And they began to ally with the indigenous peoples. And now he said, what we've seen in this synod is the Pope getting off the ship, the Pope coming down into the boat with the Amazonian people. And he said, this is very powerful to to see the Pope, the way he moves among the indigenous people here, uh, talking with them in coffee breaks, after morning, early morning, and embracing them, and but listening to them. He said, this is really a new chapter in the history of the church. Yeah, obviously, Pope Francis was really invested in this synod, and now he has a lot on his plate to think about with all the suggestions in this document. He announced at the end of the synod that if he gets time, he'll have his final document, an apostolic exhortation, so that's official church teaching, ready by the end of this year. Jerry, thanks so much for taking a chance to talk to us. I'm glad that you can finally get some rest after this synod. And uh, we'll chat with you next week. Thank you, Colleen. And I hope our listeners go and read Laudato Si. I think I need to go back and reread it, too. It's been a while. Inside the Vatican is produced by America Media at our William J. Loeshirt studio in New York City. This week's episode was produced by Sebastian Gomes. Our news producer is Kevin Clark. Our audio engineer is Tucker Reddit. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. 
Our studio manager is J.R. Kronheim. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at americamag. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Dully. We'll see you next week.